And we are back. We are here to discuss all things 2023. We're going to put a bookend on this three-part podcast. We first drafted over 90 films from the year. We then talked about the 10 worst films of the year. And here we are finally to talk about the 10 best. We're going to end on a high, talk about the 10 greatest films, according to the three of us at least, and to help break down all things good about 2023, we have Tristan and Hayden. How are you guys doing today? Doing fantastic. Big challenge. During the worst of podcast, I asked you guys the question, uh, were there any films that were in your bottom 10 that didn't end up making the list that you guys wanted to kind of give a warning or a shout out? And I guess for this podcast, I'll do the opposite. Were there any films that came out this year that aren't going to be making this list that you guys kind of feel like deserve a shout out to go check out? Like, are there any great films that uh, stick out to you guys this year? Um, I feel like we did get most of the really good ones on this list. Wonka is not on this list, though, right? Because you haven't seen that one. Yeah, I haven't seen that. Uh, so that's a good one. Just that that's one for one. sure. As well as a um, Sulfur not on this list. Hey, I haven't seen that one yet. That's fun. Although, I want to make top five for, or top ten for me. The new Spy Kids movie. Highly recommend checking that one up. Like <laughs> Spy Kids. I really enjoy the new Spy Kids movie. Besides the, the lead performance. He sucks. But outside of that, I really enjoyed it. You're just wrong there. I don't. If you don't like this new Spy Kids movie, the signs of the performance was really bad. You just don't like Spy Kids. This one really captured. You've just gotten old, and you only like the old Spy Kids movies because of nostalgia. All right, this one really nails what makes Spy Kids great. Either you're just too old now and you don't like it, or the lead character was so annoying that couldn't stand. And I understand that he was bad. No, hold up. The first three Spy Kids are all. Yeah. The fourth one is meh. Yeah, the fourth one. And this one's just not it. No, no, this one's it. This one is Spy Kids. This one nails all the Spy Kids tropes. It nails the humor, the the the, the plot, the uh, the CGI. It nails everything you want in a Spy Kids movie. Um, it absolutely is Spy Kids. You is, just don't like this one, Hayden, because you're an adult now, and you're no longer a kid. It's worse than after everything. It's not. No, you it, you it's, heard that here. It's pretty good. If you like Spy Kids movies, you're going to like the new Spy Kids. I do love how Spike is Armageddon is now getting a shout out in both the worst of podcasts and the best of podcast. I, uh, I it, of all it, the it movies, really, yeah. Really, oh, the best and worst of cinema. No. Yeah, as for me, uh, yeah, I think there's quite a few films that I really liked that didn't end up making the list. Uh, I can't believe it, but only five of my top twelve uh, made it onto this list because you guys haven't seen a lot of them. But uh, to give a quick you shout like out, movies that no one watches. <laughs> unbelievable uh but yeah uh, to give a quick shout out uh poor things american fiction the killer salt burn holdovers and anatomy of a fall are all just fantastic movies in different ways (laughs) this motherfucker um but yeah i i think they're all great in totally different ways um i think the killer specifically is just pure fucking fun i I love that movie but uh also poor things poor things was my second favorite movie of the year and it didn't end up making this list but that movie is fucking crazy but i guess leading into that i was one to ask you guys what is your favorite performance of this year if you had to give one uh, i'll do mine right now since we're on poor things i think mark ruffalo in poor things is one of my favorite supporting actor performances i've seen in about 10 years it's absolutely incredible he is i i can't believe i'm gonna say this because he's so bland in the last 10 years because he's just been doing the hulk and it's such a mediocre character in the avengers films but mark ruffalo i maybe it's just because he hasn't feel like he's acted in over 10 years he's 
he's fucking insane in this movie. He is so fucking good. So Mark Ruffalo, I hope he wins Best Supporting Actor. I don't think there's a shot in hell he is. But I hope he at least gets the nomination, because that guy was fucking amazing. I love that guy. Well, what a great performance. Speaking of great supporting actors, I thought a uh, Ryan Gosling and a uh, Barbie was... <laughs> hell yeah. Just, just stupendous. I love him. He's so good. I also like Michael Sarah on that one as well. Yeah. <laughs> I got to yeah. Calumet. Wonka. Wonka. Yeah, that was pretty good. He, he, on, I didn't expect him... Like, I expected him to be fine. We were talking about how he doesn't have the crazy eyes before we went and watched it, but he he held his own. He did very good. Yeah, Wonka's... I heard it's a really good movie. I had a guy... I have a friend in the chat that uh, gave it a 4.5 out of 5 last night, and he was telling me, Tilby Chalmay, uh, the best actor uh, that's under 30. And honestly, I, I haven't seen Wonka, but I agree. He's he's easily just the best actor that we have of that generation right now. He's, he's, he's fantastic. So I haven't seen Wonka, but I'm sure he's fantastic. Any other actor performances you guys want to shout out, or are you just going to stick to... Uh, Ken and uh, Michael Sarah, Tristan. Um, I mean, those were the best. Um, obviously, Killian Murphy, Oppenheimer. I really like Lily Gladstone and Flower Moon. There were a lot of good performances overall. There, there really is. Yeah, there's a lot of really good performances, and it looks like a lot of them are p- going to be potential Oscar performances. Like you just said, Lily Gladstone and even Cillian Murphy. I could see them both winning it. I really could. And, and they'd both be deserving. They're both really good performances. Uh, I'm really pulling yeah. for uh, Ryan Gosling as Ken to get Best Supporting Actor. Uh, obviously, I think Mark Ruffalo uh, was my favorite supporting actor performance. Uh, and it's not even really close for me, but he, he, he does have a shot in hell. So, you know, if, if we're going to root for one of the ones that does have a shot, I'm going to root for my boy Ken. Uh, I do think Gosling was fantastic in that movie. Oh, over Downey for sure. Yeah, for, for me, I, I liked Downey a lot. He's really good, but uh, I thought I think Austin was 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 a better performance. I was gonna ask you guys, what was your favorite scene uh, in a movie this year? So not necessarily the movie itself, but is there like one or two scenes that happened in a film this year that really stuck out to you guys that you guys kind of wanted to give a shout out for? That's a good question. That's a good question. I got one. All right, go for it. And talk to me when the father came in to check on the daughter and just she spun around and just stabbed him in the throat. It was so intense and like I saw it coming, but like I didn't see it coming to be that perfect. It was it was just perfectly well done. The music was awesome and it just like made you like jump almost. Even though it was expected, it it was just it was perfect. Courtroom scene in a uh, Oppenheimer, I'd probably say. Of Oppenheimer, yeah, the like, courtroom scene with Emily Blunt. Oh yeah. Oh okay, no, that that was actually yeah. I got that that was there. that's crazy. Uh, I feel like I would have like three scenes in Oppenheimer that like were amazing, and I I don't even know if that would be one of them. Wait, wait, that is a good scene, but like man, there's so much good scenes in Oppenheimer. It's it's fucking crazy. But uh, I'm gonna do shouts to uh, scenes and films that aren't on the list because uh, I'm sure once we get to the list, I'll definitely give uh you know kudos to those incredible scenes but i thought the first 15 minutes of the killer was just fucking amazing just the, the start of it the atmosphere i thought that and like you were just holding your breath the entire time i thought the beginning of the killer was fucking great and then i even mentioned it in the draft but i i think the last five minutes of blackberry and just the clicking of the phone i just thought that entire ending was haunting i thought that was ex- everything the entire film was accumulating towards i thought that was just the perfect ending for a film like that so those are the two scenes that I think of right away that 
which is absolutely amazing this year. But this is this uh, year of amazing scenes and films. But I was want to ask you guys the opposite of what was your worst experience of the year in theaters. What was the best? Is there like a movie that you watched in theaters that was just an amazing experience that you guys wanted to maybe shout out here? Spider-Verse. I watched it three times in theaters. I think I cried the third time. <laughs> it's, y'all, it's magic. It's magical. <laughs> Um, for me, it's not even close. Uh, like honestly, like I said in the worst of, every experience I had was good. Like I just think it was a great year to go to the theaters for me. But for me, it had to be Oppenheimer. Like I, I actually kind of got emotional when we had the owner of the store come up on stage and do a speech about how this is the last time we're ever going to have a film on seventy millimeter at this theater and in Edmonton ever, and how he fought like hell to get this movie on seventy millimeter because he wanted to end with a Nolan movie. And so it was my first time ever seeing a movie in 70mm and then having that speech where this guy was telling me about how this is going to be the last time and then seeing the movie in 70mm on IMAX was fucking amazing. Like it was just what like I was sitting there gritting ear to ear. I was like this is this is one of the greatest movie experiences I've had in 10 years. Like this was just amazing. So that it was not even close. That move that experience was just fucking amazing and then i watched barbie right after with a couple of drinks with a bunch of friends so you know what a fucking day it's still the best year it's still the best day of the year for me uh fuck barbenheimer was was amazing yeah oppenheimer and imac one thing i've noticed that they do before movies a lot now that i really like is like when the director lead actor the short little blur before start you know like hey thanks for coming out to the theater i know that a um uh nolan did one for oppenheimer uh so says he did Flower. Tom Cruise. That was a Tom Cruise from Mission Impossible for sure had one as well. This wasn't this year, but I remember Ivan Reitman had one with his father, um, for John Reitman for a uh, Ghostbusters as well. Um, that was pretty good because he had passed away only a couple months after that came out. Father. So I always like those sort of blurbs. I hope we see those more off. We've seen them kind of since the pandemic. We started seeing people yeah. start doing those sort of things. I hope I hope that continues. I, I like. I agree. I, I I like when they have that. Uh, Feels like a right? It it does feel more personal. It does feel more like I'm only seeing this because I'm here, right? Like it's it's nice. Yeah. No, that's a that's a good point. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. So before we get on to the official top ten of the year for us, we can go over some honorable mentions. Some honorable mentions would be Joyride. Hayden was a big fan of that film. Uh, obviously, myself would be for Blackberry. And then Tristan was unfortunately very high, but it did not crack the list. It was off by one point. So this one's a very honorable mention, and that is Air. So oh, all three films. Yeah, it was off by one. It, it almost made the list. I actually originally did have it on the list, and then I realized I miscounted. So there we go. Uh, all three. spice there, Quentin. Yeah, I guess I did. But yeah, so, you know, a shout out to those three movies. All really good in their own way. Uh, do you guys have anything to yeah. say about those films before we get started on the list? I think both Air and Blackberry are two of the honorable mentions. You know, they're in a similar sort of vein compared quite a bit, you know? Yeah. Those two films. And they're both good. They're both very good. Got a lot of those sort of product movies. Because neither one of them made this list. I'm guessing none of the product movies are going to make the top ten list. Does Barbie count as a product movie? It's not about making the product. I know, I know, too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, it's not in the same realm. Yeah, none of them are going to make the list, obviously. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to have them in the honorables because this was a year for product films, surprisingly. Like, there was just a lot of product films for some reason. 
and yeah, I would agree these are the two best of that group of films that happened this yeah. year. I haven't actually seen Tetris, so I can't. Oh, um, so it's not on the list? Yeah, so yeah, I would I like do make the list. I've heard good things about Tetris. I don't know, like, um, was it Aaron Edgerton? Was yeah. His name in it? yeah, I like him a lot. Yeah. Yeah, no, he uh, he is a good actor. I haven't seen that movie yet, but I'm I'm sure he was great. Uh, hey, hey, is there anything you want to say about Joyride before we, you know, is, yeah, yeah, you, you have it so high on your list, yeah. It's such a funny movie. If you haven't seen it, recommend it. It's, uh... It's like raunchy comedy. Yeah, it's very raunchy, but man, my stomach was after. I was laughing so much. That was that was a good theater experience, right? That actually that was a fun time. That theater. was hilarious. the whole audience. Was really, yeah, comedy. When you have a group of people who watch the comedy that are all really that kind of humor, it can be a good time. When you're watching a comedy and no one's laughing but you, it feels. Yeah, uh, yeah. I've been in both situations. Yeah, I was actually in that situation with four Christmases with Andrew's family this year. So. <laughs> No, literally, I was the only one laughing. I was looking around, and they were all like looking at me, like, "Why did you make us? It? Yeah, why did you make us watch this movie?" What Christmas movies they watch? Yeah. Not for Christmas. I don't know. Probably garbage. But oh. I, uh, I don't think I'm invited for Christmas next year. Because <laughs> I told them, I, I was like, I'm watching this every year. Like, like I, you know, yeah, like, like, I'll, yeah, I'll go to the, like the bedroom and watch this on my laptop. I, I will watch this. We watched it the day before Christmas Eve because we had a lot planned Christmas Eve, so I I was worried we weren't going to have time for it. So I was like, "Fuck it, we'll watch it on the twenty third." As long as we get to watch yeah, it, we watch, watch it. on Christmas Day. We didn't do Christmas Eve either. Unbelievable. Anyway, so yeah, we, we could we watch it with mom because we're at dad's for Christmas Eve, so we watch Home Alone with dad. Mom. Oh, does dad not like four Christmases? Dad likes it, but I think mom likes it a little bit more than he does. Oh wow, okay. Yeah, disappointing. They both like it though. They both like it more than most. Yeah, it probably just means more to mom that you watch it with her. Exactly. Yeah, like, exactly. I, like I don't think dad cares if you watch it with mom and not him. No, that's so that's probably yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That was my, that was exactly. Yeah, but um, and he and Jada were just trying to get out of it, so they pushed it off to Christmas Day, and then on Christmas Day they both try to push it off to another day. Like, we'll watch it later. No, we're not going to watch it. Later. <laughs> they to get out of it. I like how me and Tristan are like we are keeping this tradition alive, whether or not you guys want it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't care what you guys like. All right, I mean, not sure to watch four Christmases with or without. Hell, fucking yeah! I uh, I will never get over that movie. That movie to me is the best Christmas movie ever. It's not even it's close. Incredible. The church yeah. scene. It's it's so up. good. It still holds up. It's so good. And, and honestly, uh, even Andrew was like laughing at times uh and the, and the family was looking at her like you also think this is funny like i feel like i'm slowly converting her because she was still laughing at the uh at the uh church scene like that scene's just perfect it's so good um shout out to the uh christmas draft i can't believe i won that pick but uh i'm, I'm you know i'm glad people are starting to warm up to four christmases so fuck yeah all right so we can move on to the top 10 here the greatest films of the year according to us Air just edged out of this list and unfortunately lost by one point to the film we have at number 10. And it is going to be an animated film here that nobody has probably heard of, unfortunately, except for the three of us. The best animated film of the year for myself, and that is going to be Nimona. Oh, Nimona's awesome. This is good. Yeah, that's very good. Yeah, I was it's shocked this made the list. Obviously, but Wait, I, uh, best of the year. Yeah, best no, of the year. Yeah, crazy. 
Yeah, I did really enjoy Nimona. Not best animated movie of the year, but a very good animated movie. Um, and not number seven. This guy single-handedly fucked over air. This guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is funny because yeah, which is funny because I don't even feel like I'm that high on Nimona. Like, obviously, I I really like it. I think it's a fantastic movie. But like in my actual list, it's uh, number seventeen on my list. Like, it's it doesn't feel that high. But you know, with the movies that we have on this list, it popped up at number seven. I went, oh, I, I guess I really do like this movie. Like, this is a very good movie. So yeah, I didn't realize it, but I did kind of single handedly bump this movie all the way into the list here. But. Uh, Nimona's fantastic. I uh, I said it in the draft. I'll say it again. If any family just is looking for a good movie to throw on for their kids to check out, this is my number one pick of the year. Like this is just the movie that I think every kid should check out because I think it's got a beautiful message about who you are and self representation and just being confident in your own skin. And it, I just think it's a really beautiful film that has a fun animation style, a really fun wacky character with Nimona who is like this, you know quote-unquote villain in a traditional story but once you learn about who she is as a person i think it's a really well-developed character i think uh you know the transformations the action sequences with that i just think it's a really fun movie i think dev patel did a great job voice acting might be one of my favorite voice performances of the year as a whole i just thought nimona was a very beautiful film kind of crazy to be considered a top 10 of the year but you know uh i'm glad it's here yeah uh this is Wow, it's top ten. But I, the animation is beautiful. And in the worst of top ten, we talked about Netflix just releasing movies for the sake of releasing movies. But this movie really felt like they put in the effort to make it good, and it showed by well, it, it appearing here. It it felt like they cared about this film, and it, it showed through the animation, the quality, and the character yeah. building through the world. Yeah, the people working on this movie clearly care. Yeah, it, Netflix didn't give a shit, but the people working on it <laughs> clearly <laughs> care. Yeah, yeah. Well, 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 I was gonna ask, hey, like, do you know how this movie was made? I guess it sounds like you aren't super familiar with. It was it. originally gonna be a Disney film, right? Yeah. So, like, quick update: this was originally a Disney movie that was made in like 2018. Like, it was made a while ago, and they showed this movie to Disney, and they went, "No, no, no, we're not making like we're not releasing this movie. It's too gay." Like back in 2018, Disney was still pretty like, "Oh, we don't really want to show that kind of stuff because it's very like obviously this movie is very LGBTQ friendly." That's literally the entire premise of the movie, and so they told them to remake the movie and get rid of all of like the gay stuff. And the writers were like, "Well, no, we really don't want to do that. That's what the entire point of the movie is." And so they just never released the movie, and this movie was just never going to see the light of day until a writer like came on Twitter, obviously, and like brought this up and said, wow, no one's releasing this movie. Disney's super against this movie. Like, if only you guys could see how great this movie is. And so Twitter was, like, in an uproar in, like, 2020 about it. And, of course, of all studios to go, oh, Twitter wants this movie to be released. We'll release yeah, it. Netflix. It's Netflix. People want Netflix to fuck yeah. with it. Uh, yeah. So, if you really want about Netflix, I kind of like that about that. Yeah, so Netflix is like, oh, nobody wants this movie? Well, we want it. And they just bought it and so then they released it so this movie was never gonna see the light of day if netflix just didn't go fuck it we'll get it uh so it's it's kind of crazy how this movie was just never gonna release it was made entirely like the movie was completely made and then they just were never gonna release it so netflix has nothing to do with this movie and i think the world building this one is really well done this is probably the first since like shrek where i've really seen like them take like sort of like medieval fantasy worlds and combine it with like modern day sort of technology world as well and they did it very differently than this track does, but I thought they did it pretty, pretty interestingly, having this sort of like modern day high kingdom sort of setting. 
I agree. I thought the Dev Patel character being like the Dark Knight, he's like the quote unquote evil knight. And then the main knight is like in the white armor. He's got the blonde hair. He's the traditional heroic knight. And so at the beginning of the movie, I was like, oh, okay, they're going to like play into the trope of like the white knight is like the bad guy and Dev Patel's the good guy. But they didn't even really do that. Like the white knight no. is still a great hero who yeah. just has a misunderstanding with Dev Patel and their relationship is really built upon. It's not like a one dimensional character which is what I was initially assuming in the first 20 minutes of the movie, it's actually a really well-developed relationship between the two of them. Like, it's really good. So, yeah, I, th I thought Nomona was great. Uh, I, I can't believe it made top 10. I, uh, but, you know, uh, I'm glad it's there. So we, uh, we can move on to the ninth best film, according to us. And in the worst of podcasts, I did kind of hint to the fact that, uh, you know, aside from Nomona being kind of led by me here, we are kind of beating to the beat of Hayden's drum here because at number nine, we have Killers of the Flower Moon, which probably would have been probably number two or three on the list if Hayden didn't drag it down to uh, number nine here. Almost didn't make the list, but here we are still cracking the list here. One of the best films of the year. I think Killers of the Flower Moon is absolutely incredible. Uh, it's only number six on my list overall. Uh, on my actual list here, but here I have it at number three uh, from what we have. I, I think this movie's fantastic. I don't know if it's because I saw it on the big screen in IMAX and it just, the movie looks fantastic. I think every performance is incredible. I don't know if I mentioned this on a podcast yet, but I stand by this. I think this is Leonardo DiCaprio's second best performance. Uh, it, it's up there. This is one of my favorite DiCaprio performances. I couldn't believe how incredible he was. This is the first time I watched DiCaprio and I kind of get pulled out of it. I kind of like this is one of the few times I don't see him as DiCaprio. He like turns into this bumbling, idiotic buffoon that's being controlled by Robert De Niro. Like he actually doesn't even feel like DiCaprio. He, you know, DiCaprio is almost like Hanks, where he like he kind of plays DiCaprio being like this charming, always smarter than everybody in the room kind of character. And he kind of just feels like DiCaprio in every movie he's in. And in this one, he I don't know if it's because they fucked up his teeth or they made him look a little different, but he literally doesn't feel like DiCaprio. This is like, it feels like he transforms in this movie. Because he's finally not playing the smarter, smoother character on the screen this time. Yes. This time he's a bummer. He's getting played, right? I agree. And yeah, the performances uh, were incredible in this movie. They're probably... Probably the best part about the film. There's lots of great parts about this movie. I love the costuming. I do hope. I hope this wins the best costuming for uh, the on. For the very least, the on. Um, I love the costume in this movie. The score was quite great. The whole thing was fantastic. My only drawback to the film was that three-hour run. Yeah, it it did not need to be a three-hour. It didn't. They could have cut some of this some of this out of there for sure. Uh, the 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 runtime ran long, as most Scorsese films do. That's kind of his shtick at this point. Uh, <laughs> but much like Scorsese movies normally do, uh, it was fantastic. It wasn't the emotion, the intensity, it was all there when you wanted it. It was all it was all fantastic. And like I think Lily Gladstone uh, really stole the show for a lot of the scenes. And I, I think Robert De Niro. I think De Niro absolutely crushed. Yeah. Yeah, all three before his word. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it, it's just crazy to think that Gladstone is playing in a movie with two of the greatest actors of all time, and she is kind of the one that stands out. Like, that's just a testament to how great she is. I, I thought she was amazing. Like, I thought the final scenes with her looking at DiCaprio and realizing everything that he's done, like, that's just some scarring and incredible 
shit that's going on with uh, Gladstone's performance. I, th- I thought all three of the leads were just incredible in this movie. I thought the storyline of just them murdering every single member of this family and just how conniving and manipulative they are in every scene, really, of just how they're stoking the fire with all of these people in the village and just how they're kind of making sure that they're the ones on top. It's brutal. Like, it, it, it is a crazy film. I do agree it gets a little long, but there's a lot of long movies this year, and I feel like this one is long, but honestly, I, I, it wasn't that big of an issue for me. Like, there were other movies this year that were, like, two and a half hours long that felt like they were five hours, and this one, sure, it's a little Actually, longer, but it's not bad. shorter than Shazam 2 did. In all yeah, yeah, you know, this, this movie yeah, felt shorter than a lot. Yeah, like, if I'm going to complain about length... Yeah, <laughs> what were your thoughts on it? Um, just too long. I, I didn't, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Coming out of the theater, you know, I was talking yeah. pretty of it. It's not 22 simply because of other great movies. Like, I'm not really into drama. So when I enjoy a drama, it, this one was really good. The performances were amazing. It's still lower than the comedies for me. A lot, like a lot of the horror movies, I just have those higher just because that's more my taste. Um, this film, great. My favorite, uh, performance was De Niro. I think him orchestrating everything like, and then slowly like realizing like he's losing control of it all near, near the end and then just all blows up. Fantastic. That, like, the ending really got me, you know, with Lily Gladstone calling out uh, DiCaprio for everything. That part was awesome. Uh, I only have it at 25 just because of all the other three. Yeah, and then the scene where, uh, as you were touching on, when De Niro's in the car and uh, DiCaprio's like standing beside him and he like is asked to like sign this paperwork of like giving the money to him if something were to happen to him and like DiCaprio kind of having that realization of like holy fucking shit I've been playing this entire time like I can't believe I let this fucking scumbag fucking play me like a fiddle like that that's such a good scene it's so good fuck yeah but no no that, that's fair you know everybody's got like different types of movies I love I love dramas Hayden loves comedies and horror. You know, there's just stuff that you gravitate towards more. Uh, you know, this is my jam. I fucking loved it. I uh, I love this movie so much. I, I hope we get at least a few Oscar wins here. A costume would be great. Uh, we'll, we'll Gladstone. A lot of noms. You guys get a lot of noms. Yeah, I, I'm, my fear is this could be like the Irishman, where it gets a lot of noms and yeah. no wins. I hope it gets some wins, because this movie was really good. Is um, Gladstone going for lead or supporting actor? Lead. I know. Tough. It's tough. It's tough. I, I, I like that she's doing it, though. I, I At first, I was like, well, no, she's not going to win. But at the same time, I don't know if you're familiar with how many nominations white women get in lead actress, but it's almost 100%. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's, insane. it's insane how white the nominees are for white ac- uh, for, for lead actress. Uh, so I do like how Gladstone's like, I just want to be competing in lead. Like, just to get a nomination in lead, like, that that's gonna be exciting and honestly i i think she could still win i i still think she's that good so you know it'll be tough competition you know you got uh margo robbie and uh you guys haven't seen it but emma stone and poor things it's just fucking incredible so they're, they're, it's tough competition but i think gladstone could do it i i still do yeah all right so we can move on to number eight here and once again we're gonna kind of go along to the beat of hayden's drum here because believe it or not we have Oppenheimer at number eight. <laughs> I actually thought this was gonna be like, like I knew this would be eight or nine or something like that. Yeah, I knew so, this would be like a bar. So Tristan has this at number three. I have this as my favorite film of the year, and even if we added 
the uh, seven movies that were in my top 12 that didn't crack this list, this is still number one. Like, even if we added all the other movies that I watched and I loved so much, this is still the best. Like, this is the movie of the year. I can't get over it. I'm actually shocked Tristan didn't have this at one with me. I thought we were uh, both going to be uh, oppy boys I was together. Throwing, my top three, and this year really has three stand-up, and I couldn't, I didn't put at the bottom of those three stand-up films, I guess. It's tough. It's the one I'm least excited to go back and watch, and that's why. That was the reason why I didn't put it at the top of those three movies. Those are clear best three films of the year for me. And this is the one that I'm least energetic to go back and watch. Probably because of the runtime, probably because of the theme and the subject matter. You know, it's heavier and lower, but it is incredibly well. It is amazing every step of the way. Performances, the cinematography, the script, all of it was top and notch. Set design, everything was so good in this. I, another Nolan master. I love Christopher Nolan. This is another one of his many, many. Okay. Um, I put this low. Uh, you actually put it higher than I thought. I thought he was gonna put like 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 under thirty. It was still above thirty. No, like it's a good film. I there's some scenes that like I I like the whole uh wait what's the guy from Ayers? Matt Damon. Jason Matt Damon. Damon. Matt, Matt Damon, Damon. That's it. Right. Matt Damon's all right. He was awesome. He was great. The whole like where they made their own city. They all that. Oh, that was great. I enjoyed that. But it was way too long. The movie was way too long. I got bored. I was counting season titles. I like I was looking for things to do. I wanted to do other things than watch a three-hour film about a bomb. Like it was good, but I feel like it's a little overhyped. You know, I almost picked it for the overhyped in our last podcast. Like <laughs> people just like it's a good film. Don't get me wrong, but like best of the year just blows my mind. Like, yeah, it's a good movie, but I feel like it's well, Oppenheimer has both bottom. Like so. it's not. Yeah, that's, it's so crazy to me how Hayden's just saying, like, it was so long and so boring, like, he was counting tiles. Like, I had to go to the washroom about 30 minutes into the movie, and I was like, okay, I'm just gonna go when, like, it gets, like, when, when it kind of, like, drags a little, like, when it gets a little boring. And I just, I just waited another two hours, and at the two hour and 30 minute mark, I just had to go, so I just, like, left during the movie, because I literally couldn't hold it anymore. But, like, I literally couldn't find a time that was boring. Like, I literally was sitting yeah. there waiting for it to get slow, and for it to, like, kind of get a little meandering. And I don't know, but for me, this was the most captivating film of the year. Like, there was not a single moment where I went, okay, it's dragging a bit. I can go to the washroom. I was hooked yeah, every time. Killers of the Flower Moon most definitely felt runtime. Oppenheimer didn't really. Oppenheimer, like, the, the pacing kept up. It was very fast-paced. It was not slow at all. They were throwing information at you a mile. Whereas Killers of the Flower Moon was a lot slower. It did drag out a lot more. It felt more of its runtime. It felt like the longer film, even though they're, I think, basically the same. This one still felt long. It certainly wasn't a 90-minute movie by any means. But it never felt slow or never was going, all right, we can wrap this up already. You know, I was captivated the whole time. Yeah. Oppenheimer is 20 minutes shorter than Killers of Flower Moon, but still. Like, yeah. uh, oh, is it? It's a full 20 minutes shorter, eh? Yeah, I thought it was going to be pretty close, but no, it's it's actually 20 minutes shorter. But still, they're, they're both incredibly long movies. And yeah, this one does not feel three and a half hours. Uh, yeah, the, the, yeah uh, Oppenheimer is... Three hours and one minute, I think, and uh, Killer's oh. Flower Moon is three hours and twenty-two minutes, or something like that. Yeah, Flower Moon was like, yeah. that, that's a lesson length. Oppenheimer, like if we're going like best scenes of the year, like there's three scenes in this movie that like are like some of the greatest scenes I've seen in film in like the last ten years. Like I thought, obviously, the bomb explosion was just fucking incredible. Yeah, yeah, like it was so good. Just the. Uh, yeah, that test scene with just the explosion and just the silence and just the just everyone's reaction to it and everyone's reacting to it totally different. 
incredible shot. Yeah, and then the speech where like he's imagining everyone like everyone disintegrating before his eyes, like that scene's incredible. And then the third scene for me is just the last two minutes where he reveals what Einstein said to him, and him revealing that this is the end that he's talking about, like this is the end of humanity and destruction, like just. The realization at the end of the, the very end of the movie just ends to the shot of his eyes looking towards the audience, realizing that he's doomed us all. Like that is that's like I like literally when the movie ended, I just sat there like just absolutely like I was speechless. I just couldn't comprehend what I just watched for the last three hours. Like it all built up to that final shot. I thought it was perfect. It was the best ending to a movie the entire year. Step aside, Blackberry. That was how you end a movie. It was so good. Everything about this movie is great. I, I love Nolan as much as the next guy, but um, I, I don't love Nolan. You know, like I feel like you're more of a Nolan guy than I am, Tristan. I think this might be his best movie ever. I've said this when we did the Nolan rank, and it's this or Dark Knight for me. They are easily yeah. the two best of his entire filmography for me. Like these two movies define Nolan. And I said it way back then. I if he doesn't win an Oscar for this, if he doesn't win Best Picture or a Director for this, he's never winning one. Like this is his peak. Like I can't recall a movie that I watched and went. We just watched the director's peak. Like he will never make a movie this good again. Like I don't recall I ever know, having that. Yeah, he's gonna make even more, even better movie. I literally don't know how. Like this feels like everything Nolan has worked towards has come to this moment. I, I still think he's gonna make amazing movies. Nolan will never make a bad movie, but I don't know if he will ever top what he just did this year and i feel like that's kind of the mindset a lot of people are going to have and i think that this is going to win best picture i think it has to like this is just amazing i love this movie it's so freaking good you know i'm glad it made top 10 even though Haynes not a big fan of it but um this is one of the few movies i do want to rewatch. i'm planning on rewatching this uh on 4k with andrea tomorrow because she hasn't seen it yet so we're, we're gonna watch it tomorrow night and it's so good. I, I can't wait to rewatch it. This is one of the few movies I'm very excited to check out again. It's uh it's great. So I, I'm glad it's here. You know, thank you for not putting it in the 30s, Hayne, because this would have not cracked the list if you did. No. So uh bullet dog. Imagine if you made this one not even make the list. That'd be insane. I, I, I would probably <laughs> I would probably kick Hayne off the podcast if this movie did not crack the top fucking ten. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, if Air was on this list and not uh, Oppenheimer, I would uh I would do unspeakable oh, things. That, that would have been horrible. <laughs> 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 Alright, what's number seven? That would have been my Joker what origin story. Oppenheimer. Alright, so what beat Oppenheimer? Uh, honestly, this is still a pretty good fucking movie, so I, I'm not, I'm not going to poo-poo this movie, because uh, I have this at number two. We're going to go through my first and second favorite movie of the year, you know, according to this list. I think Poor Things is better than this, but we have Godzilla Minus One. Uh, which is another movie that Hayden kind of dragged down, but this movie's fantastic. I watched this in theaters, and maybe this helped a lot because I saw it in theaters, because I was sitting there, and I was just blown away. I uh, I think I'm officially a Godzilla bro, you know? I, I've uh, I've officially converted. Godzilla's fucking no, great. I'm officially, I, at this point, I've been saying it for years, I just like big monsters fighting. All right? yeah. I just like big monsters. Any of the Godzilla or King Kong, any kaiju, I'm, uh, I'm here, baby. I'm a buckling in and watch. I, I agree. It. I'm a kaiju boy, hundred yeah. percent. Like that, this is I, I my like blockbuster. Kong more than Godzilla, you know King Kong's my boy. I like Godzilla. No, I like Kong more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Godzilla is real cool too. Though. We saw this one in theaters as well. I think all those are theater experiences. You want to see this on the big screen? You know, best speakers, best screen quality possible. We watched this one in a, yeah, it was IMAX. 
Yeah. Yeah, we went and saw this one on IMAX, and it looked incredible. It was awesome. And it was a packed theater. I couldn't believe it. It was an international film, and it was a packed like theater. Third week. Yeah, it was full of teenagers. Like, it was, like, no age. Like, everyone was there. Everyone, was, everyone had a great time. It was awesome. And the budget was, like, it's so low. Yeah. And it looked like a normal blockbuster. It was a fraction of the budget of The Flash or Quantumania and looked a hundred times better than any of those. It looked incredible compared to those. Because it didn't feel just like green screens, because it wasn't. No, like, no. It was, it was real. But then Godzilla himself, he looked amazing. Like, he looked like the one that would be in Godzilla vs. Kong. Yeah. With, like, the blue, when, like, he would, like, start to light up, and, like, all the scales would start to pop out slowly. Yeah. And you just, like, under the water, you just see the blue light up, and you just, like, shit's about to go down. Like, that was sick. Um, I have it the lowest, just, I think you guys got a little high, honestly. Just, an, on, no, you got it around. Eight, eight, yeah. It's not it's, bad. That's seven overall. Seven, eight, exactly. You know, number ten, but just barely. Number two is like two seems a little, a little yeah. Little it's high. like, buddy, yeah. Come, come on. on. It fares as number four on my list overall, you know. But you know, okay, that's four. Still pretty. I like, it is really good. It's Do you really know what good. the minus one is referring to? The quinta because I still remember why it's called Godzilla minus because he died. So like this Godzilla, <laughs> but <it's> minus one. <laughs> I don't one. think that's why. <laughs> I don't know why, but I, I don't think that I don't think it's a math problem. Yeah, I never problem. picked up yeah. a lot. It's called minus one. That's the one thing I never like. I don't understood what those were at all. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too uh, sure but either, but, it, but that's yeah, not an issue. Yeah, I just pulled up the budgets. Uh, yeah, The Flash and Amen and the Wasp Quantumanium are both $250 million budgets, and Godzilla minus one is a $15 million budget. So less than one, it's fat about one twentieth of the. Yeah, almost one twentieth. Yeah. And by God, it was so much better. It was incredible. <laughs> yeah. Godzilla minus one uh, in my top five of the year. I, I thought this movie was fantastic. Just really am a sucker for kaiju movies. It, honestly, it's my kind of blockbuster. You know, like superhero movies, people like those. Uh, like, you know, Fast and Furious. I don't know who likes those, but someone does. But like, for me, I just love kaiju. I also watched Kong Skull Island recently, and that's honestly my top 10 of 2017. And people hate that movie. Like, I'm just a sucker for this kind of shit, man. Big monsters beating shit up it's fucking cool and i think this movie has something that none of the other american kaiju films have had in the last decade and it's just really good human characters like oh my yeah. god that's the that's the bread and butter of this movie honestly when the other movies show up like in the, in the other movies when the humans show up i go okay let's get back to the you know let's get back to godzilla and then when godzilla shows up in this movie i'm kind of like let's get back to the humans right like, like it's almost like he's murdering so many amazing people and just you actually feel the horror and terror that this guy or not guy but like, this creature is destroying like it is it's brutal this is really the first of all the monsters i've watched um where it really feels like this is an actual monster yeah like, all the other ones like godzilla or king kong are fighting another monster so you're root godzilla or king kong this is the only one where godzilla is a freaking man you know yeah. he's a monster he's terrorizing me. absolutely and i really appreciate it yeah, it's the first one where he actually feels like the big bad, and he is big and he is bad. Like this one feels like there's the most stakes, and he's fighting humans. He's he's fighting like you know military aircraft and stuff. Like he's not even fighting a giant monster. He's just destroying all these people that can't really do much to defeat this guy. Like I just feel like the stakes seem like they're at the lowest here. It's not like some world-ending monster versus monster fight. It's Sam against just a bunch of little people, and yet it has the highest stakes because we're rooting for all these people. Like there's actually like heroes and villains in this movie, 
this monster feels terrifying. And I don't know how familiar you guys are with the original movies, but I watched all of the kaiju Godzilla films when I was doing a Godzilla binge last year. So I've seen about 20 Godzilla movies. Like, like I've watched a lot of this guy. And honestly, like, most of them are kind of done or whatever. But, like, the original Godzilla film, they have this iconic score that is playing while Godzilla's terrorizing all these people. And they didn't touch that score at all for the first two-thirds of the movie. And I almost kind of forgot how incredible that score is. But in the final battle, when they're fighting him in the water at the very end and the plane's coming to destroy him, and, like, that entire moment, they play the score. And, like, I literally got chills. It was actually, to hear that score in a movie theater fighting Godzilla, I actually forgot how iconic that score was. It was fucking good. It was one of the greatest moments in the theater for me. If Oppenheimer didn't exist, this probably would have been the best theater experience for me because when that score started playing, I was getting chills. Like they had the iconic Godzilla score and it didn't feel like a nostalgia bait, like, oh, hey, we're referencing the original because they held it off until the very end and it actually felt like, okay, as soon as that score started playing, I realized this is the final battle. Like this is it. Either Godzilla is going to win or lose. Like you kind of knew this is fucking it when they started playing that score. It was it was the perfect time to play it. It was really fucking exciting. I thought the ending was emotional. I thought the loss of, you know, spoiler, uh, the, like the loss of the child's mother and all of that in that second half of the movie was really fucking good. And when the kids started crying, like, I don't know, I felt it. Like it was a really emotional film with a lot of great characters. I thought it was great. I really thought this was one of the best films of the year. I uh, I'm glad you guys watched this one at least, so... We could at least talk about Godzilla. Yeah, this minus awesome. one. I am interested in that. I'm sure they're going to do sequels to yeah. this one, right? How are they going to do the sequel? Is there going to be another Godzilla come in? Will Godzilla be fighting another monster? I have no idea where they're going to go from here. I hope it's just a one-off. I absolutely love this movie, but yeah, I don't really need a sequel. Well, at the end, like, he's like, Godzilla's not dead. Right. That's well, true. they yeah. do that in every movie. They have to tease that Godzilla never dies. That's awesome. Uh, so that's also just like a classic godzilla trope they, they they never have godzilla die if they have a sequel is it called godzilla minus two or is it godzilla zero godzilla plus one. Oh, plus one. Oh, <laughs> there's two godzillas so i feel like if you win you know what will be right. uh, like godzilla a, one and one that's right <laughs> yeah it's like a scoreboard all tied up yeah that's the third one godzilla tied game tied game match point that's a good name so moving on to the sixth best film of the year, and you guys were questioning why Nimone is on this list. Uh, no offense, I, I guess you guys are a lot higher on this movie than I am, but I'm, I'm almost questioning, like, really, the, this this movie cracked the, the top ten here? Uh, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it. It's a good movie. We got Missing. So, Hell yeah! Fucking right. <laughs> fucking right we do. I love this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is a good movie, but, like, man, top ten, like... Like, I have it at 12 on this list, but, um, you know, a little peek behind the curtain. If we had every movie that I watched, this is number 25 on my list. Like, like this is a good movie, but, like, I can't believe yeah, it. Yeah, that's still not bad. I'll no, no, no. 25. Hey, 25 is not bad at all. I, I think this movie's great. I just, I'm shocked I, we have it here in the top 10. No, I love these movies. I want as many of these boss. We haven't seen Searching and or Missing. Go watch both. Do yourself yeah. a favor. Do the double feature. Watch Searching first, though, then Missing. Yeah. They are both fantastic i love them yeah, i'm a sucker for this kind of style like it's just so unique it's really fun to be fair i think the more they make them i think the less exciting they'll be because we'd be more used to it but the fact that there's only two so far i think it's I a agree. super fun style like it's really really exciting um, i really like the screen to life yeah. stuff i think screen to life is super cool yeah 
Even like other franchises. The unfriended, the yeah. first unfriended was kind of okay, but the second one, very. Yes, yeah, the second one's hilarious. Honestly, the, these are kind of like just the, uh, you know, this is just like the Gucci version of the unfriended movies, where like the first one's kind of just by the books, you know, well, like searching sounds like I'm doing a disservice to it, but like, you know, it's very much like it's a very normal storyline that makes a lot of rational sense. And then the second, like the sequel is just like absolutely hog wild. Like they just decided to go fucking crazy they like ramped it up to 11 oh, yeah. you know like missing and unfriended 2 are like unhinged at times like they are absolutely yeah, unfriended 2 is awesome unfriended 1 was it's so good no, yeah yeah the first unfriended is pretty bad but uh unfriended the dark web iconic yep. hilarious that is actually that's genuine that's no, really that's pretty awesome. yeah that movie that's one of the best four movie depths i've ever seen is an unfriended it's incredible Okay, well, I wouldn't go that far, but you know, it's I still really. There's cool. one more. There's one death in there. The speaker scene. Yeah, that was yeah, insane. That's so that was cool. awesome. One of the best murders of all time. Oh, come on, that, that's a high bar. Come on, I I would put it there. That's up there with Final Destination. But yeah, no, missing, fantastic, very good. Yeah, if you like horror, if you like mystery movies, I uh, highly recommend. It's an incredible mystery. I love mystery. They're one of my favorite genres. Fast pace gets the heart going. Oh yeah. Main character. She's, she's cool. cool. I think yeah. she's good. Yeah. And, like, the whole, like, hoardings of her when she's a child and her childhood then come into play later in the film. Like, everything has to do with later in the film. Like, you'll get the puzzle pieces at the start, but they don't make sense. But then near the end, once you start solving, connecting everything together, then other things make sense that were revealed at the very start. And that's what I love about the film, how you, you get dealt some pieces that just don't go together, but then throughout the film, you gather more information, and then by the end, you're able to solve it kind of but then obviously there's other things they reveal that just like, wow that's freaking dope you could never see yeah. yeah that's a really good point uh is that both movies searching and missing do a really good job at making you confused and you know they really keep the mystery aspect alive for the first half or two-thirds of the movie like you really have no idea what's going on and honestly to a point you're kind of getting frustrated of like none of this is making any fucking sense like where are they getting at here and yet when they reveal exactly what's going on, they start placing all the pieces down and you start seeing it all form together. It makes so much sense. Like they do a really good job at making it really confusing and mysterious, but at the end you're satisfied, which is a hard line to toe. You know, they either make it really obvious. So it's satisfying or they make it so convoluted that like the end result is kind of like, okay, you're just trying to surprise me at this point. This is stupid, but they are able to do both really successfully it's just a good mystery movie, and that's hard to get every now and then. So it's uh, it's really good. I'm just thinking about all the all the hints they drop throughout mm -hmm. the film, right? Lead up to what's at the end. Man, they did such a good job with it. There's so much fun. I, I hope they make at least a couple. I've been new for a couple. More. I'll keep checking them out. You know, especially if they do it at the pace they're doing it. You know, like one every five years. Yeah, that's the thing. The last that's good. Was, what 2018? So yeah, five years. Ago? Yeah, I don't need them every year. That, but you know, every couple of years. That's Exactly. Every five years, I would 100% be down for one. Fuck yeah. yeah. Like, if they release one in 2028, uh, I'll be in line checking it out. All right, so we can move on to number five here, and we have another animated film, and that is going to be the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. That's a good one. I, uh, I, I thought I was the highest on this movie when we first talked about Tristan, but we're all high on it. It's a good movie. It's just a really good movie. Yeah, it's so much fun. I love the animation style. Yeah, it all looks great. And 
this is like I haven't seen too much teenage girl stuff, but they really felt like teenagers. Yes. Oftentimes it feels like they're more like young adults, but in this one, like they're still doing the fart jokes, caring about girls and clout. They want to be in high school. They just want to be a teenager. Exactly. They want to go to school. <laughs> That's their dream to be a high school kid. They use the slang. Like it all makes so much sense to why they act, make dumb decisions the way they do. Because they're like young. Like they're not even adults. They're like 13, 12 years old. Like they don't know what they're doing or how their actions affect the world. And they got superpowers. They're turtles. They're different. But then, like, the message comes in where, like, they accept themselves and befriend others who are different, and then craziness happens. And it's just a dope. Yeah. And the score is awesome. Just a great, like, a soundtrack. The soundtrack, the music, and it's incredible. Yeah, I, I think the movie is super fun. I, uh, I mentioned this in the draft, but this is easily the best pre-screening that i've had like i remember watching this and just for like four days before anyone else could watch it i was just like non-stop talking about how you got to check this out like, this is just a genuinely fun animated film few and far in between every now and then uh especially with like you know we kind of get a lot of like generic illumination disney schlop but like yeah. every now and then you get like a genuinely unique and beautiful animated film and like you guys said the animation in this is so good and hayne made a great point they're teenagers, and they genuinely feel like that. I'm not familiar with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles either. I don't really remember any of the other movies, even though I've seen a few. But they just feel like actual kids in this movie. And so yeah. their relationship with Splinter, that's great. How it's like really leaning to like the father character in this film. And I, I just thought everything about this movie really worked for me. I thought there were some emotional moments. I thought there was just some genuinely funny moments. Sure, the teenagers were super cringy, doing like TikTok dances, but... They're teenagers, and that's kind of the best part of it. It's just they literally just feel like you're watching kids try and get into just just trying to be normal, right? And so I feel like their relationship was really, really great. Yeah, as a whole, just a really fun animated movie. Yeah, it was awesome. This is sort of like a coming of age sort of superhero animated adventure film, all kind of wrapped up into one, and it it delivered it very well. Yeah, I also liked how they had. April O'Neil younger as well. A lot of the times when the other Ninja Turtles, April O'Neil's like an adult, like a full adult reporter. I think that's why they also feel more adult when they're surrounded by other adults. But here they're surrounded by other kids. April O'Neil was also a teacher, also in high school, an aspiring news reporter, how they were aspiring, you know, ninjas and superheroes. They want to be teenagers themselves, those kind of things. It, it, it overall gets much more of a coming of age vibe. Teenager is a first word in Teenage Mutant. Ninja's not until later. <laughs> yeah, they just focused on the last word, turtles. The other one just focused on them being ninja. This one's focused on them being teenagers. No. <laughs> yeah, and I just uh, before we get to the next movie, I just remembered how amazing that one sequence was in the middle of the movie where they like are interrogating and like a, a fighting like five different like bosses that like have information on where they need to go, and they like cut between each one as a different setting, but like the action flows with the movements of each sequence. They're like cutting between all five continuously. And, like, each each of the turtles has, like, their own moment to shine in this, like, action sequence of, like, the five different set pieces. And it's just stuff like that is just stuff you don't really see in, like, kids' movies or animation movies that often. Like, Spider-Verse is one that also has that a lot. But, you know, that's, like, the unicorn instead of the norm. That, that That's not really something you see often in uh, animated movies. And I just thought that action sequence was fucking awesome. It was so fucking cool. Yeah. It really feels, like, almost like... Saturday morning cartoons back in the day, like Cartoon Network kind of animation style. So that's yes. like the aesthetic 
and whatnot of like a yes, as you mentioned, Spider Verse movie, the sort of action scene, Spider Verse movie. Should break from a comic book, the action. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, a lot of people are comparing it to a uh, Spider Verse, but I think that's kind of a disservice because it yes, it has. You know, a unique style, but it's unique in like you were saying a Saturday morning cartoon rather than a comic book. It doesn't feel like a comic yeah, book. Yeah, the character designs in particular, they really feel like Cartoon Network yeah. sort of Saturday morning cartoon kind of vibes that I love. Yep. All right. So we can move on to number four here. And speaking of Spider Man Across the Spider Verse, that's what we have here. We have Spider Man Across the Spider Verse. So I was the one that kind of bumped it down. Both of you oh, guys have this as your favorite film of the year. We both have it number one. Good movie. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't mean to drink it down so much. What is it it's on a good your real list? Yeah, this 16 on, on this. Probably like 30 something. Right? Now let me get my actual list here. It is uh, number 28. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, you're just, you're just silly. So why do you That's think this wrong. film? <laughs> I like this movie a lot. Uh, it's just not... Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll look at the negative out of the way. I, I guess I can go first before we have you two both having it at number one. We, we can hype it up after. But yeah, for me, uh, I'm just definitely an outsider on this one. I feel like I was in with the cool kids in Into the Spider-Verse. To me, that's, I believe, the second greatest animated film of all time for me. It's it's one of the greatest movies ever made. It, I, I love Into the Spider-Verse. And, and this one, it just doesn't feel like it strays too much from that. This one kind of, I know it's not nostalgia bait, but... This one relies on a lot of references to older properties, and, and to me, as someone that just wants to watch a unique, refreshing movie, it that that doesn't excite me seeing references to, you know. Oh yeah, wow! Like I, I think I think you're really overrating, how, like overjudging how many cameos and whatnot there were, and how much screen time they really took up. Right, but like, like really had a timer and starting play how much cameos there were. It might have been too much screen time. Total. Because, like, it was just when, like, Miles was, like, trying to go, like, stop to see his father, and they stopped him to explain, like, no, that, what's for the, the, uh, canon. Uh, that, that's canon, yeah, so they, they gave their own a vision, and then they also showed, like, um, Andrew Garfield Flashbacks, and Tobey Maguire, yeah. like, it, I agree, that was stupid and useless, but, like, you can't hate on the whole film for two minutes worth. Well, it's just one of the reasons that it, it just sticks out as, like, a, okay, well, this doesn't feel, like, as refreshing and unique as the original movie, but I also just feel like this one... And obviously it's intentional, but it just may be too much for me. It just feels too much. It feels a little too messy. There's just like too much going on. Into the Spider-Verse feels more self-contained. It feels like they have control. It's chaotic, but it feels like it's controlled chaos. While this one is just like a lot going on. I feel like they were juggling way too many balls. I feel like a lot of the characters they added and they removed. I like... I thought a lot of the Spider-Man they added in the first movie, like Noir Spider-Man, and I thought uh, Spider-Pig or Spider-Pork or whatever. I feel like, and even, uh, I forget the main Spider-Man, but now he's like a resort of like, oh, father figures, like cracking jokes about him having a baby. Like, I feel like a lot of my favorite characters in the original movie, aside from Miles, who is obviously the best character of the film, I feel like a lot of them are sidelined entirely, and they focus on Spider-Man they don't care as much about. I love the, I'm not familiar with a lot of the newer across the spider-man characters uh, the, the indian spider-man what, what's his name i think it's spider-man india and just desi spider-man uh yeah whatever his name is i thought he was great i i think he was the best addition to the film i thought he was one of my favorite characters but like i thought yeah, was- spider-man 2099 and i i was a big fan of the guitar spider-man and like a lot of the spider-man that they added I thought we're fine i just didn't feel like they added much to the story that i got from the first film and maybe that's the whole thing 
I think this film is fantastic. I still think this is one of the greatest animated films of the year, and I completely understand why people are singing its praises. It does everything a sequel needs to do. It adds more to the story. It, like, bumps up the chaos. You know, it ramps everything up to 11, and it is really good. I, I still think this is a great movie. Uh, I just feel like, you know... I, I I just didn't really love the story as much as I did in the original. You know, I liked the uh, Miles Morales learning the importance of being a Spider-Man and, you know, anyone can wear the mask. You know, I thought that that was a much more interesting and important story to tell than, uh, what is even the story for Across the Spider-Verse? That, like, you belong in a band or you're, you know, you're important no, no matter you what. No, you write your own story. You write your own story. For you, right? Right. You can make your own choices and, and you can come up with your own ideas, right? Don't just follow what all the other Spider-Men have done in the past. Now, mind you, also, this story's not been done being told, right? We haven't gotten the second half yet. And I think that's, if there is one knock on this film, it's a very much is one half, right? We haven't gotten the other half of the story. Awesome story, though. It, it is a freaking awesome story, absolutely. Just the, the train scene. My, like, when the, all the Spider-Men are falling miles up that train, and Miguel has, and then uh, Miles learns because well, first off, he didn't even mention Hobby. Hobby, I love. I think Hobby's the, a fan favorite. Spider Man, he was cool. I couldn't he, like him as Spider. His art style was beautiful. Yeah, his art style. His hair. His style was cool. Yeah, he's a cool. He looks visually interesting. I don't like, like his. He looks. Like and his character in general, though. Yeah, overall. and he was so different. He was the only one on Miles' side the entire time. I've watched the movie four times. So like when a My- when they trap Miles in the cube, Hobby's. Sorry, I'll go back with like the electric. On his fingers, yeah. Hobby told him to use his whole hand. Yeah. So when he's stuck in the cube, Hobby shows him like his hands, telling him break up with your hands. And then Miles does that on the train scene. Like, oh my god, this movie's fucking amazing! Like, man, I'm gonna go home and rewatch this movie for the fifth time. <laughs> this movie's just so good. Like, Ains watches once, like every two months. About it. That's awesome. I watch it three times in theaters. I like, I can't get enough. When I went on POV, I made you to watch it with me. Like, this movie. It's better than the first, in my opinion. It's bigger. Wow. And I get why, like, you don't like it, because it's, it's... It's not as tight. No. It's not as neat. It's it not. is messier. And, like, the spot, like, I think he's dope. I think he's really cool. Oh, he was really cool. I thought he was really cool. And how, like, the, the, the third movie has big shoes to fill. I think it's going to be better than the second. I think Quinton will like it more than the second, but... What I think. But, man, this movie was perfect to me. It's bigger, in my opinion, better uh everything delivered yeah that, that, that was a really good point too though i do really like spot and that was another issue with the movie is he like is completely removed in the second half of the movie like he is just non-existent in the second half but like he was fantastic no, and like um, once again it's not like it's the second half of the story right the second right. half story still, he will come back around he's gonna right back. which you know like you guys touched on uh which is like i'd even bring it up because it's just kind of obvious but that's i you know a part one of a two-part movie and nothing is tied up. Like, there's no, like, like, they don't tightly wrap the entire arcs of every character. They kind of just leave it all hanging, which is, you know, it's a part one, so that's kind of how it goes. But that's why, you know, this is my favorite part one of the year. You know, uh, Fast X and Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 are both worst movies, in my opinion. Uh, you know, if it's not a tightly wrapped story, then I can't, I, I can't love it. But I, uh, I, I did love Spot. I, I did like a lot of the characters. Like, for a part one, it is really good. Uh, and uh, what was it? During the draft, I was mentioning how great jason schwartzman's time was this year how he was the best in asteroid city and he was the best in hunger games the ballad of songbirds and snakes and i couldn't remember what the third role was 
And I just remember now, he was spot, right? Like, he was, like, what a great year that guy had. Like, he had three of the best performances of the year. Like, man, I can't believe Jason Schwartzman had, like, the best year ever, and no one's really acknowledged it. But yeah, like, he was great as spot. He was a fantastic villain. I I, I did think yeah, spot was a fun one. Yeah. Yeah, he was fucking cool. So, it's a good movie. Uh, it, it's it's a very good part one. I uh, I liked it. Tristan, do you have anything else to say? I feel like uh, Hayden brought up a lot of the points that he loved, but uh, I Hayden feel like... Hayden loves the movie a lot more than I uh, you know, I'll, I'll let him take the lead here. But uh, no, I love this. I have, I put it like that. So there's, I think there's a very clear top three movies of the year for me. Uh, we've obviously discussed two of them now. This one and Oppenheimer. I put this one number one, Oppenheimer number three. I'm sure my number two will be coming up later here. I think I put this one as number one of those three because it's the one I'm most excited to see more of, i.e. next coming out, right? Like, I don't, I'm not super excited to revisit Oppenheimer and time, the theming and everything. And but this one here, I can't wait to watch this one again and watch the next one again. Then watch all three of them in a row. I'm so excited for more Spider-Man movies, and I, I really enjoy. It. No, that's fair. I uh, I don't think I'll ever revisit this movie except for when the new one comes out, Beyond the Spider Verse. I imagine I'll watch this one right before because I feel like that'd be a good double yeah, feature. Yeah, yeah, you gotta watch. So it right I'll probably check it out again in like a year or so. Or ideally, some movie theaters gonna be doing a double one and two. Not here though. Not here. That would be amazing though. I'd check that out. <laughs> more double features like that particularly these part one part twos are gonna become more popular like i'll be buying a ticket to see a double feature part one can't believe you just said as it's getting more popular yeah i I hope they stop with these part ones and part twos i feel like that's the worst thing that happened this year in general but if they are movies here should be doing double yeah that's probably the worst thing that happened this year for film is uh all these part ones uh i blame dune for this it's it's horrible i no no i blame infinity war and endgame actually that's true yeah that's true but like i love infinity war and i think it's because like that movie when it ends like it, it feels like an ending right like i feel like everything they amounted to in that movie I, I came you know what i blame you don't want to blame actually it's not infinity war against deathly what? hollow it's it's all it all goes back to deathly hollow all right True. what was that yeah but yeah but that was a while ago movie? it's hard to blame this trend was- for that but yeah it's I played Deathly Hollows for Twilight and Hunger Games, Mockingjay Part One and Part Two. They definitely well, were the and reason Dune, that. right? Because those are all books, and well, the book's too thick to make into one movie. Dune, obviously, a very thick book as well. So this is too thick of a book to make a, make this into two movies. You know what I mean? But now Fast X and, and Mission Impossible aren't even based on books. They're just too thick again. Would you rather two like Part One, Part Two, or a three and a half hour? Three and a half hour movie. It's not even close. Like, I would definitely rather a three and a half hour yeah, movie. It would entirely depend on the movie. That being said, though, I've seen good three and a half hour movies. I haven't got the conclusion yet to Dune or Spider Verse looking really good. I, we haven't really got a good part one, part two yet, have we? Like, what? Hunger Games, Breaking Dawn, Mockingjay. Uh, None of these are great. Uh, oh, guess they don't call this part one, part two. Like, that, you're right. It's only Warren Games. That's the one really good example of part one. All right. So we can move on to number three here, the third best film of the year, according to us. And that is going to be John Wick Chapter 4. Yeah, I'm surprised this is, I guess this is a great movie. I'm surprised this is a Yeah, I, uh, yeah I, I'd be kind of shocked too, but like, you know, I'm not going to complain. Yeah, 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 Tristan, you're the highest on it. Yeah, I, I really like it. Hey, look, as far as action goes, question. John Wick are the best action movies. And John Wick 4, I think honestly, it might be my favorite John Wick. I really like number It's four. my favorite, yeah. I thought all the action set pieces epic. I thought that final duel between him and the bad guy was awesome. I like the ending of it, how, you know, they handle his character at the end there. I really enjoyed it. This one, though, know, the actor just over top. Like, the climb of the stairs scene, when he kept going up the stairs, he kept getting knocked down. 
And he just kept fighting his way up this area. And there's endless drones of goons coming down these stairs and fighting. That, it's epic. They don't make action movies too often anymore. And they make a lot of action movies, just not like this. And this is way better. Yeah, I don't really like action movies. Like, I, I, to me, it's always like, okay, why, why is he not dead? I feel like John Wick should have been sniped in the second movie when he hit a bounty on his head. So, like, I feel like they're too, like, unrealistic, even though I, I like watching superhero movies. I view action movies. But this one was really good. I I think John John Wick just is a different breed of action, kind of like Spider-Man's different breed of animation. Uh, the the blind guy was my favorite in the film. The oh, fact yeah. that they had a, like, a blind guy with, like, a staff, and he was just well, fucking beating the shit out of everyone, not being able to, like, a daredevil kind of thing. Uh, in a John Wick movie with that kind of action, it was sick. The action in this movie was amazing. I have the lowest at eight. It's just because I'm not a huge fan of action movies, but this film was, it was awesome. Yeah, I, I honestly I haven't rewatched it yet, but this movie was fucking amazing, and I wonder how it is on a rewatch. Uh, this was the first movie I saw in theaters uh, after doing basic training with the military so like i was like deprived and just seeing this movie in theaters this was my first weekend off of training and it was just one of the greatest moments of the year like it was i just sat there and i just couldn't believe how happy i was like it was just i could finally just relax and watch a movie which is one of my favorite things to do and sitting there for three hours like this is a long fucking movie it was amazing like the action of this movie is insane it's one of the greatest action movies ever like it is it is, it is up there it is fucking astounding like you were saying about the blind guy i thought he was amazing i thought his relationship with john wick was amazing i thought the ending to john wick's storyline for four movies was phenomenal uh if you haven't seen the movie quick spoiler you can skip ahead i would say 30 seconds but i just want to point out how amazing his death scene is like just them setting up halfway through the movie when he was saying that he's doing all of this for his wife that we saw at the very beginning of the very first movie. And it, they kind of tie the four movies together in a neat little bow where he says, after all of this, all these things that he's done, all he wants on his tombstone is to say a loving husband. That's what he wants to be known for after all four of these insane movies. And at the end of the movie, they go to his gravestone. It says a loving husband. And that's everything that's accumulated to this is he was doing all of this out of love. This, ha- this is how it all spiraled and it kind of all came back to the reason why this all started. And I thought that was a beautiful ending to his character. This is how he wanted to go out. I thought the finale of him with the villain and the gun scene at the top of the hill was amazing. Like just everything about this movie is cinematic and amazing. And I got this on 4K and I've been wanting to rewatch this for a while. And maybe I should revisit it sometime this week because I think this is one of the greatest movies of the year. This movie is so fucking cool it just screams cool it is so much fun i think keanu reeves is incredible in this movie i don't know how he does it but he is able to basically make a silent movie he like almost never talks in this film it's just all fucking physical it's all pure action sequences this guy's been doing this for how many decades uh reeves is amazing i can't believe how great this movie is yeah john McFarlane might be one of the best action movies really it's 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 up there it's that good and I don't like action movies, but for anyone who does, a movie I would actually recommend that we watch this year, me and Hayden watch this one, is a Christmas movie, kind of, called Silent Night. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. It's made by the same guys who make John Wick movies. It's not like the same universe or anything, but the same like, producer. And they, um, that one's quite good. If you like action, it's more of a standard action but if you like action films, would highly recommend that as far as some good, intense action scenes. And that one, the main character does not talk at all. There's 
very little talking in the whole there's, there's no talk. 90 minute movie, there might be four lines of dialogue from side character film. There is no talking in the whole movie. It is just that. And so if you're a big action fan, you like the John Wick style of action, I would recommend that one as well. It is kind of like a sort of a Christmas yeah, I heard about that movie. I haven't, I haven't checked it out yet. It was on my list yeah, of movies to check out. It's nowhere near as yeah. good as John Wick movies are. It's not as good as John Wick, but it is very good. So if you like action movies, I would highly recommend it. Hell yeah. Yeah, I'll uh, definitely check that one out. Coming in at number two, we just went from discussing the greatest action film of the year to discussing the greatest horror film of the year, because we have Talk to Me at number two. Talk to me. Ah, this one's good. This look. This year had some like four movies. This year weren't as strong as they were last year, but this was this was a stand. This was yeah. a knockout. This this one was so much fun. This is what horror movies are. About. Yeah, it's actually crazy now that I'm looking at it here because I was going on the draft saying that this is my favorite horror film of this decade so far, the 2020s, and you guys both still have it higher than me. So that just goes to show how much you guys love horror. Yeah, I love horror yeah, horror yeah like yeah, so this is not my favorite horror movie of the decade. Uh, this might be second. Number two. Maybe three. This is a black phone fight. But I really, I do really like this one. This one's awesome. I'm excited to see more. Is this one Blumhouse? Or is this 84, eh? It's an Australian film. Right. Right. It is an Australian film. Oh, yeah. It's very much Australian. You don't see a lot of Australian no, films. You don't yeah. get a lot of Australian films. Yeah. Although, is, is, this, uh, is, is this a hot take? I don't want to talk to me too. A twenty four is already announced. They're making a talk to me too. Oh, and they're three. making a talk. They're gonna make terrible talk. To me. Yeah, yeah. They're, they've already. It's already official. They're in the works for it. I don't need it. I feel like this movie is so fucking good, and it doesn't really need. It. Like, I feel like I got everything from it, you know. But I could be wrong. Maybe they could add more to the sequel. But to me, this is just an you incredible standalone movie. But like. Even if the second one's not very good, it's not going to hurt the first film. The first no, film no, still... no, yeah, yeah. Well, it, but, you know, if Day 24 is going to put money towards something, I'd rather them, you know, try a different concept. But, yeah, I, th- I think Talk to Me is fantastic. Like, this is just everything you want in a horror film. I think the depiction of the youth in this movie, like, just young people doing drugs. They really you know, nailed like, it. Like, they nailed it. They nailed it. I couldn't believe it. Like, it, that's what made the movie so terrifying, is how real it felt. Like, we got a hand that gets you possessed. Like, it's the most absurd idea ever. And it works because every kid in this movie sells it. Like, they feel like they're actually, like, teenagers doing drugs at a party. Like, it feels like they are, like, actually getting fucked. And they are, because <laughs> this movie is fucked. Like, I thought the deaths in this movie were insane. And I thought the ending had an incredible twist that just makes so much sense. It was the perfect ending that you could get to this horror movie. It's fantastic. This is a good movie. This was a banger film. Yeah, it's a really fun one. Do you guys have anything else to say about Talk to Me, or we want to just move straight to? Not really. Once you get these really high, really good movies, I don't want too much to say to go watch. Yeah, you know this one, like, this one, you just gotta go see. Yeah, I feel like most people have seen. It. I imagine anybody listening to this podcast, you know, an hour in, has probably already seen Talk to Me because you know this was a twenty one of a twenty four's most successful films financially, right? This is a, their fourth most successful film, like ever. These are the biggest of the year, right? Oh yeah, 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 biggest of the year for sure. I believe it's their biggest horror film, too. I, I believe it beat out Hereditary. Oh, wow. Okay, sorry, I was wrong. It's not higher than Hereditary. Uh, I just looked it up. Talk to Me is... I was right about it being the fourth highest film ever financially, uh, but the top five is Everything Ever All at Once at number one, which we already knew. Hereditary at two, Lady Bird at three, Talk to Me at four, and then Moonlight at five. So that's a, that's a pretty good top five. I don't know Lady Bird made that much money. 
Yeah, I uh, I didn't really realize that either. But and it was popular, but I thought it was more so like like once it got to streaming, people were like, yeah. oh my gosh, it was like I got to check it out. I didn't know it was big once it was theater still. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know what it was? Domestically, it made more than Hereditary, but worldwide, overall, Hereditary made more. That's what it was. Interesting. Is this some Australian movie? Yeah. yeah, you think it's better internationally? Yeah, yeah. You would think. Um, yeah, it made the third most domestically but worldwide it's the fourth highest hereditary made a lot worldwide yeah uh, uncut gems number six just got bumped out it's a bummer so yeah t- talk to me uh it was a huge success financially so i imagine anybody listening to this podcast has probably already seen it so you know we don't need to tell you to go out and check it out but you know you know if you haven't seen it absolutely do i think this is one of the greatest horror films we've had in quite some time it's is like genuinely terrifying like i thought the party sequence was fucking insane i i just think the hand is like a genuinely cool horror piece right like i feel like horror yeah. films they have like you need to have like an iconic thing right like you know hellraiser's got the puzzle box and you know like, a lot of the slashes just got like you know like scream's got like i guess the iconic mask and the iconic yeah. knife right the yeah like yeah. a lot of the horror films need to have like an iconic piece people can associate with the movie and just the hand just it's a fucking cool piece to like as soon as you see it you go fuck it's talk to me like it's kind of already got like an iconic thing that it's attached to which i feel like is pretty key for a good horror film so i, th- I thought it was great you know like black phone's got the phone like we were talking about for last year you know so love black phone yeah black phone's really good i uh, i still couldn't believe how good that movie was i thought it was gonna be like a generic horror film so you know uh no. we- we've had some good horror films the last few years we- we've been lucky so we can move on to number one here, and that is going to be number one according to the three of us, and number one according to the box office. I don't believe we've ever agreed with the box office, Tristan. I think this is the first on the podcast. We have Barbie. There we are. There we are. Yeah, we normally uh, it was you know, clearly number one. We it normally have the little guy one. at uh, number one, right? Like, yeah. uh, is that the, it's the only movie all of us have in our top five? Uh, yeah, the only movie that we all have in our top five. Yeah, so, so this is the third, of course. Like, uh, there's top three movies this year for me. Of course, Spider-Verse, Barbie, and Oppenheimer. And Barbie, I see why Barbie came out. It, it, I can't see why anyone doesn't love Barbie. It's so lovable. It's so funny. And the production design and the costume and the style of everything was so well done. All the actors did such a great job in the performances. Uh, Margot Robbie, got it, yeah. Freaking Michael Sarah was amazing at that. I, yeah. I can't get over Michael Starr down. Got a rag off as a uh, our boy Ken. Even Will Ferrell, like the Mattel CEO, was. I thought all of that was fantastic. Yeah, Barbie has the uh, unique distinction for me as being the only film this year that I have seen more than once. I uh, try to just keep watching new movies, so I you know I can watch as much as I can when I have some free time. But Barbie, I is the only one that I have seen twice now, and I. I'm happy for it because I think it would have been a bit lower on my list the first time I watched it, which I still loved. I still thought it was great. But it occurred to me on the rewatch just how incredible this movie is when rewatching it. It's just, it's genuinely just such a good time. No matter how many times you go watch this movie, it's just hilarious. I watched it with a different crowd both times and just being with people that just love the comedy and the atmosphere of this film, it's great. Like, it's energetic when you're sitting down with people. And checking this out both times i watched it with a large crowd and both times it's just electric like just sitting there with everybody with a couple of drinks it's a blast it's hilarious one of the funniest movies of the year if not the funniest movie of the year 
And I just thought, like you said, the production design, the costumes, the performances, everything about this movie is fantastic. It's genuinely a fun time, and it's fitting that this movie made it number one on the list. It's well-deserved. And the music. It has a killer soundtrack. Yeah, They paid, true. like, a bunch of the biggest artists to make a song for the film. Like, uh, Lizzo had a song. Yeah. Nicki Minaj had a song. Minaj, they, dude, they yeah. all... I think Doja Cat might have had one. Maybe, yeah. Oh, watch. Oh, mostly female uh, artists. Yep. Yep. Uh, but like part of the theme, it was awesome. And then finishing off with "I'm Just Ken," like that's such a like, that's <laughs> not a that's such yeah. a like I catchy song. Can. It is really good. And everyone, Peter wearing pink, like everyone was like all in like for this movie. That's true. Honestly, Barbie might be one of the best uh, yeah, movie theater. Everyone showed up wearing pink, and I was just so excited exactly. for this. It was super movie. fun. Also, my theater experience for that movie was pretty great because Welling had to kick out a bunch of little girls that were sitting in our seats. So that's always fun. <laughs> was Long Dog wearing pink at least? I believe so. Yeah, I, I actually no, I don't think. I think maybe he had a pink shirt on, but I can't. Tell. <laughs> yeah, I think it was like a salmon color. Right. Yeah. 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 He didn't even do it on purpose. Like we all showed up in clothes, and he was like, "Wait, we're dressing up for this?" We're like, "Yeah, aren't you wearing pink?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, I guess I am." I guess I am. So he kind of just tripped into it. Classic well dog. He but, managed to do that a lot, you know? Yeah, he's a, he's a lucky guy. But yeah, I, I think Barbie's just a fantastic experience. Uh, it's funny how their songs are just, all their songs are so good that like in every awards, you know, in every single awards ceremony right now, they're nominating three songs, but the Oscars have a rule that they can only nominate two from one movie. So like the question isn't, is a nominee going to be, uh, is Barbie going to make it to best song? It's which two are going to make it into best song. Like, that's just how good the music is. So, yeah, we, yeah, we normally have number one on our list is normally, you know, some little movie that everybody doesn't exactly know of. Uh, well, actually, I take that back. Uh, last year, Everything Ever Well at Once and Top Gun Maverick tied for first, and those two were pretty iconic films. But I was thinking of, like, you know, we had... Nomad Land and Marriage Story as like the winners of 2019 and 2020. So you know it's uh, pretty great that we are ending with a the biggest film of the year, Barbie, for our 2023 ranking. Tristan, uh, every year we do this movie that we have at number one since 2020 has won Best Picture. We had Nomad Land. We then had Coda. After that, we had Everything Ever All at Once tied for first. This year, we have Barbie. We don't have Oppenheimer. We have Barbie here, thanks to Hayden. Do you think this movie is going to win Best Picture? If it does, I think it'll be the first movie in history to win three, you know? Best Picture, highest course of the year, and the most coveted number one pop topic movie of the year. <laughs> I, I think that would be very impressive. And if any movie can do it, I do believe it is Barbie. Uh, it's funny, because like, if you asked me three weeks ago if I think Barbie was going to win Best Picture, I would say no, it's, it's 100% Oppenheimer. But... I don't know. I, I am feeling like tides could be turning. I think Barbie could win. I really do. I think it could win best. I Barbie. love that. We're in a spot where Barbie is very much like a real Oscar. It's a real contender. Time. Yeah. Including Best Picture. I think that's amazing. Yeah. I, uh, I really, if you asked me like months ago, I would have said absolutely no shot. But like, I don't know. I, I'm feeling a bit of a shift. I, I could be wrong. I still think Oppenheimer is probably going to win, but there's a chance. It's I thought it was like 100% locked Oppenheimer like a month ago, and I don't think that anymore. I think there's a chance. So, you and know, I think the best supporting actor race is still really coming down between a uh, Downey and a uh, Gosselin here. Uh, you know, personally, I'd like to see if uh, my boy Mark Ruffalo could pull off an upset here, but I I, I doubt he'll uh, he'll win. 
I'm just rooting for him to get nominated at this point, but that's the best supporting performance of the year for me. Uh, the fuck. My boy Ruffalo. I never thought I would have said it. I, I thought that guy was so boring in the Avenger movies. He's like the worst character, but fuck, he's so good. Yeah, but he was cool in 13 going on 30. Hell yeah. <laughs> he was. He, he was, yeah. yeah I, uh, I, I love Ruffalo. I, love I, like, I like that one a lot. Yeah. A great rom Yeah, my wife, she loves... Mark Ruffalo, and I, I is probably because of all the rom coms he did in the in the two thousands, like Thirteen Going on Thirty. Like, she she loves that shit, obviously. So, yeah, and, and, and she watched Poor, yeah, she watched Poor Things with me, and, and she agreed. Mark Ruffalo was the standout. She she fucking loved him. So we were, we're on the Mark Ruffalo. Yes, because Emma Stone's always great too. She's dope. She's incredible. It's it's, it's a stacked cast. She yeah, like even William Defoe in this movie. Like if you see Poor oh, Things, I even Defoe was in it. He's incredible. And he like looks terrifying. He's got like such a terrifying look to him. It's a great cast. It's a it's a good cast in that movie. But uh, you know, not as good of a cast as Barbie. Barbie is a Barbie hell of really a fucking fucked. cast. Barbie was kind of a, it was. Yeah. Do you guys got any uh, crazy calls right now before we end the podcast here? Uh, do you th- what, what awards do you think this movie's winning for uh, for the Oscars? Barbie. Yeah. I I think it's getting best supporting actor. I think it's going to get production design. I think it's gonna get best song. What about costume? I, I know you're talking about. Uh, I know you're talking about Killers of Flower Moon for costume, but do you think this one's got? Yeah, it? I think I think Flower Moon might still costume. I really do. Oh, okay. Awesome. I hope no. so. Anyways, uh, I hope so. I also, I, I'm, I hope so. I don't Flower know, Moon takes it. And I love Barbie, but I would give it Killers of Flower Moon. You know, we're, we're all done for ranking 2023 movies for now, but of course, we're going to be talking about 2023 movies for the next. You know, month and a half where we talk about Oscar predictions. Uh, we'll be talk. We'll be. Uh, I believe the next podcast we will be sitting together. Tristan is going to be the Oscar reaction podcast to uh, all the nominations. Yeah, reaction to the nominations, and then we'll do. We'll predict who wins. So those will be the last two podcasts before I go on training. All right. Well, that is everything for the best films of 2023. Uh, hopefully, your favorites made it to the list. If you were a big fan of Air, I am so sorry that you just missed the list here. But, you know, uh, it was great to have you guys on to talk everything 2023 again. Are you guys excited for the 2024 films? Anything exciting coming up this year? Dune. No. It's all about Dune, baby. I'm mostly excited inside out, too. I'm a little hesitant uh, with Pixar nowadays, but I'm hoping it's good. But yeah, Dune 2 going to be great. Honestly... I think 2024 looks pretty good. You know, I, I think it's going to be a fun year. I think we're uh, we're in for a good time. Joker 2 is going to be fun. Better for that one. Yeah, that's going to be fun. There's a few others that are really good. I can't think of them. But yeah, it's uh, I think it's going to be a pretty fun year. Oh, we got Bon Joon Ho's next film with Robert Pattinson as the lead. That's going to be Mickey fucking incredible. Yeah, Mickey yeah. 17. Fuck. Yeah, that's going to be good. It's a good thing they're releasing it now because, uh, you know, Mickey Mouse is now a public domain, right? That's why they're releasing it this year. I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm pretty sure. But uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun year of 2024 films and discussions. Uh, but until then, have a great day, guys.